Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college Hey, good afternoon. We've made it to another week. I, I know some of you doubted it, but... This we're here, and we're glad that you are as well. Great to have you on board on a Monday, busy afternoon. A lot of things happening. Some of them still reverberations and repercussions from last week. There's a few fan bases upset about basketball. This headline from USA Today in Vols versus NCAA. Who is winning? Some expert lawyers chime in. That's not us. That's real lawyers. And some better news for Tennessee. VFL Todd Helton, remember he played quarterback behind Heath Shewer and in front of Peyton Manning. Ended up in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll talk to him later on. There's still a few jobs open. BC's got a job opening. Anybody want it? I don't. Uh, but two rounds of in-person uh, interviews. Pete Thamel with that breaking news. Topmeyer will join us a little bit later on. Yes, you guessed it. That is Todd Helton who we're talking about. Andrea Adelson covers the ACC, and she'll talk about that and a couple of other subjects with us a little bit later on. But this is a story from On3 and pretty much everywhere else. It broke Friday as we were coming on the air. The two giants in college sports, SEC and Big Ten, have joined forces. What's the old line? The enemy of my enemy is my enemy or is my friend? Actually, it's my friend, I think. Speaking of friends, oh, a friend to uh, Andy Staples. Uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Andy is no enemy of anyone. But uh, Andy, good afternoon. Really good to see you. Um, so many things happening. There is a, one more football game this week, but we'll leave that to the, uh, the, the folks up and down the rest of the dials. But I want to talk to you about what happened Friday here. And you, you've got a, week, a weekend, as we say, to digest the big news about the Big Ten and the SEC. What's it all mean? It, it means that the two big dogs are taking control, that they're taking the wheel, and they've said, the rest of you have not been serious enough about this, and the old way of doing things is not going to work, and perhaps a smaller group of people need to start making big decisions. And who better in their minds to make the big decisions than the people who are most alike. And right now, the Big Ten and the SEC are very alike, and there's nobody else like them. And so I would imagine, and, and I've talked to quite a few people about this, that, that Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey probably looked at this and said, okay, all of these things are changing quickly. There are all of these cases in the federal court system. There's the National Labor Relations Board, all this stuff. It's all going to come to a head pretty soon. We've got to have a plan. We've got to figure out what we're going to do next because there's not going to be Congress coming in to bail everybody out. And so I think they probably looked at it and said, you guys still think the old ways are going to work, that you can just have committee after committee after committee and take 12 years to do this. It's not going to work. Something has to be done now. And I think that's why these two are getting together. So Andy, uh, assuming that they got together recently, and I think it's a safe bet that they did, couple what months you, ago, yeah. What do you think is uh, one, two, and three on their big list? 
Well, it, it's, I think ultimately they're trying to figure out a new governance structure. I, I think most, like the, the casual fans are going to look at this and go, oh, they want to create a super league. They want to run everything. I don't necessarily think that's the goal right now. That may be the, the end result if things don't work out the way they would like it to. But I think the goal is to have a system that actually runs smoothly, that has rules that can be enforced, and everybody still makes money. I think that's the ultimate goal. And when Greg Sankey says he would like a robust national picture, I think he's telling the truth. I think, one, that's better for the sport in general. That's better for everyone to make more money, ultimately. But it's also something that a guy like Greg, who, you know, he was the compliance guy in the Southland Conference. Like, he he still believes in the idea of college sports. It's not just purely nakedly corporate. But the fact of the matter is, it has to evolve or they're just going to keep getting dragged back into court. So, some people are, are saying this is really a, a power play on the NCAA. And I know you already alluded to what you said a second ago, but, but is it? Or, and if you're Charlie Baker, who basically goes around and schmoozes people and meets with Congress, and then they go on to more important things, so wh- wh- where does that leave the NCAA? Well, I, I think all of this can be reformed under the umbrella of the NCAA. But because remember, the schools are the NCAA. But the, it can't be done the way the NCAA has always done business, the way the schools have always done business. They're going to have to do it differently or they're never going to agree on the steps that have to be taken because it has to be pretty drastic. You know, the, the best way to keep yourselves out of court is to have a CBA. Well, to have a CBA, the athletes would have to be employees. That's something none of the schools have wanted. So you've got to figure out either get them used to some uncomfortable truths or be very creative and come up with a system that maybe nobody's thought of yet that can work. The group think that has traditionally ruled college sports is not going to work because here's how things normally worked over the, over the decades. Conference A has an idea. We think this would be great. We think this would work. And then like 10 conferences are like, well, this is why it wouldn't work for us. And it just gets bogged down. It becomes a a quagmire. That's probably why they're keeping this group pretty tight. That's probably why it's those two guys and not four conferences or 10 conferences. So, Andy, uh, there used to be a power five. I mean, let's, we don't waste time on the, on the, the, the one out west. For, the nomenclature? Yeah. We uh, had a poll exactly. on the show last week. So, uh, Big 12 is, you, you think they're kind of, they're kind of cool. I mean, but the, but the ACC looks like granddad now, don't they? And, and if you're sitting there... Uh, in Jim Phillips' chair, respected guy, respected league. What do you do? I I don't know. Jim Phillips inherited probably the hardest job in college sports because everything was locked in in terms of the TV contract. So you knew you were walking into a buzzsaw with a bunch of schools that were not happy because of what the Big Ten and the SEC were going to be making. And then you had... You know, basically, the one thing that that you were supposed to do is get Notre Dame to join in all. Well, they're not going to do that. Notre Dame's not going to join in football. So I don't know what you do if you're Jim Phillips. I mean, they handled the Florida State situation as well as they could by suing first before Florida State sued them. But Florida State is still actively working to get out of the league. If Florida State gets out, Clemson will get out. North Carolina will get out. Probably Miami will get out. And then we'll see what happens. But it's it's a tough deal. And, and I'm not sure how much Jim Phillips could have done to head this off. Now, he did cast his lot with the wrong group when he joined the Alliance because 
what that was was Kevin Warren, the former Big Ten commissioner, basically pulling an okie doke on Jim Phillips and, and George Klyavkov from the Pac-12 so that they would delay the start of the 12-team college football playoff so the Big Ten could get its TV deal done without a competing product in the marketplace. And so that looked pretty bad. Probably should have cast his lot with Greg Sankey and with the Big 12 and Bob Bowlesby at the time. That probably would have put them in a better position, but I don't know that it ever would have stopped what's happening with Florida State right now, what's happening behind the scenes with Clemson and North Carolina. That was always going to happen because of the length of that TV contract. Before you go, uh, let's get your thoughts on the, I mean, you thought the Grammys had a lot of excitement. What about what happened last week in Knoxville, what could still be happening with a court proceeding? I mean, it's too good to be true to have a story like that drop in early February, isn't it? It's wild. I was at the Senior Bowl, and I'm just trying to watch one-on-one pass protection drills, and all of a sudden, it's the Tennessee's chancellor is just blasting the NCAA. It was incredible to watch. And Tennessee put itself in this precarious position because they weaponized the NCAA enforcement process to fire Jeremy Pruitt for free. Like the story just gets better and better the more layers that you pile on top of it. But then you've got the Tennessee Attorney General and the, the Virginia Attorney General suing the NCAA, which really was Tennessee's only option at this point because if they get in trouble again, they're a repeat violator. But if you just get the rules declared illegal, then you can't get in trouble. So there's a hearing next Tuesday, and who knows? Maybe the rules get declared illegal, and then they won't be in trouble. Andy Staples, great to have you on, Andy. We'll talk to you very soon. Andy Staples joining us on all the latest going on in intercollegiate athletics. So we've given you the lineup for today. The phone calls, which is really the story, always begins next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. you 
listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Missouri on the road to greatness. Missouri received a $62 million donation from an anonymous supporter. Okay, it was me. It's the largest donation in Mizzou history. $50 million will go to Memorial Stadium renovations. The rest will go to Tiger Fund program. They just renewed Eli Drinkwitz. And we are back with more phone calls. A lot happening over the weekend. Let's uh, get an update from everyone. Mike starts us off. Hey, Mike. Hey, Paul. Um, I've been a Kentucky basketball fan since 1959. I'm 71 years old. And Calipari has got to go. This guy has got to go. He's lost the fan base. I called in two years ago and said he lost the fan base. He has lost the fan base. This is a wonderfully talented team, but this guy can't coach defense. My fifth grade coach taught better defense than this guy, and he's got to go. And our program, he said that it's a gold standard. If you look at the last five years, last seven years, we've won one SEC championship. Alabama, Tennessee and Auburn have won more than us, okay? The last 11 or the last five years in the SEC tournament, we are number 11 ranked in the number of wins in the SEC tournament. This guy has lost it. He needs to step down. We owe him so much money, but somehow we have to get this guy out of there. It's just extremely painful to watch this guy coach. Yeah, and listen, Cal is his his record is self-explanatory. The thing that bugged me about over the weekend, and you, uh, I'm, I'm just double checking right now because I'm pretty 99.9% sure I've got this right. After the game, he did not show up for his post-game radio interview, which is, according to many, inexcusable. Uh, you know. You play Tennessee, go out and explain it. You're paid to be on that show. Go, go do what every other coach right. in America does. And, you know, it just comes off that Cal can only, you know, can only handle the winning, but uh, the losing does seem to identify character. And uh, a lot of people are wondering about him right now. Definitely. And uh, that was inexcusable. And, you know, um, he he talks down to the Kentucky fans too. I've mentioned this on your show a couple of years ago, and people go kind of laugh at. But really, he's really arrogant about it. And and do you think if he had won that game the other night, he would have come out for his radio show? Yeah, and I thought the most interesting thing is uh, just in full disclosure, uh, we invite everybody on the show. Uh, Friday afternoon, we invited uh, Rick Barnes and Calipari to be on because we were trying to showcase the, one of the biggest games of the year, Cal immediately sent back no, uh, no explanation. Rick Barnes was on. Uh, Rick Barnes uh, made time. Literally, I mean, he left practice Friday afternoon, and he was talking to me on FaceTime as he was walking from the practice to his uh, office. Uh, and, uh, you know, to me, uh, I mean, we, we don't get in the weeds here, but, but I just think it's an explanation of somebody who wants to promote his, his program and the other one who wants to promote it only when it serves his, uh, his own need. I thought the most interesting stat I saw Saturday night, yeah. Tennessee is now 7-1 and one under Barnes when Kentucky is ranked in the top 10. Does that reveal a little bit about coaching or what? Yes, 
it does, it does. And he he just needs to go. And it's just it's killing the fan base. I mean, we just it's torture. And we love the team so much, and we support the team, and it's just it's a killer. So um, anyway, I just well, wanted thank you for to, the call. I mean, sometimes it's just, uh, and, and I think he's, I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But it's, sometimes you just uh, you reach a point, and I, I'm a believer in Cal. I keep thinking this is going to be the year, but that's five, six, seven years in a row now. It's like everybody else. You're you're left devastated. Uh, in the month of March. Uh, we're taking your phone calls here at 855-242-7285. And uh, let's check in with Swamp Dog next. Uh, hello, Dog. Hello, Mr. Feinbaum. How you doing today? It's great Very to well, talk thank to you, you again. I just got a question about a, a professional quarterback and a college quarterback and the comparisons of those two guys. And uh, I'm talking about uh, – their careers, how they've gone in college and won in pro. I'm talking about Brock Purdy from the 49ers. Yeah, we know who he is. Yes. And I'm talking about Stetson Bennett from Georgia Bulldogs. Well, you got got one who uh, was the last player taken and who's exceeded every expectation. You have another one who much was expected of and nothing has has arrived uh, since. Yes, it has. And I, I, I just think that they are – I watched Brock Purdy play, and he plays the game the same way that Stetson Bennett played the game. What they call well, it. Well, yeah, I think manager. the key word being played the game. And I, listen, I know Stetson has dealt with some, some demons, uh, as we all do at times. Yeah. But uh, yes. I can't imagine – I don't even know. Is he still on the ro- – is he still uh, on an NFL roster, or is he done? Well, I think he's still with the Rams, but yeah. – I, he went to a rehab center right here in Waycross, I believe. Mm-hmm. He left there. They said he went to a South Georgia rehab Has center. Has anybody heard from him? Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm just saying sometimes when you go through that, you end up uh, – you talk about it and you, and you, you want to be an example, but I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, Stetson Bennett's story, uh, uh, it, it's gone from a, a Disney movie to a, a really uh, Shakespearean tragedy. Hey, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Let's uh, check in with Will, who is in North Carolina. Hello, Will. Paul, I know we're not supposed to be giving out uh, plane rides, but uh, I would give one to John Calipari after the weekend. I mean, this goes back to being uh, brutalized by the Kentucky fans last week about Nico, and I'm just saying I would give John a plane ride out of uh, Lexington. I mean, well, the, the question you have to ask, and, and, and I don't think anybody, I don't think a game in February is ever that important, except it was the second home loss in a row. And I don't think that's happened uh, in forever. And uh-huh. really, Calipari is going to be determined by uh, what he does in March. But, but I think the problem he has is that there is a, and I, I mean, he's been, you know, he's been here before trying to raise money for people in, Kentucky, and there's no question that he, he has been one of the great leaders yeah. uh, in, in that lane. But the problem is that he does come off uh, standoffish. Uh, he does talk down to the fans. Uh, there is a big disconnect, and you know, nothing short of getting to the Final Four, I think, is going to reconnect him with, with that fan base. And if there's ever been a fan base that deserves a perennial winner, it is, it is UK.
Tennessee's pretty deep. I'm, I mean, yeah, no, I mean that, that, that game. I mean, it, it was about a four-point game at the 16-minute mark, and then Tennessee just beat yeah. them like a dog. Yeah, it wasn't really close. So, but I was, I, was, the Duke game wasn't close either. I was disappointed by that, but at least the next game right after uh, cheered me up a little bit. But neither game was really close. But no, Tennessee's and, and pretty I, deep. I think I think right now, uh, I mean, I, he's playing without his be- one of his best players. I, I don't know if it's his best player, but he's certainly a very impactful player. And the and the risk you take when you when when, when you start getting negativity at this, I mean, this is the moment of the year. When you're supposed to be ascending, I mean, just like Rick Barnes's team, he he dropped a game the other night. They came right back, and, and that's when it gets dangerous. Is you you don't want negativity the the final couple of weeks because every time you lose a game like that, uh, your path becomes more difficult. Yeah, you're going to the tournament, but you're dropping on the seed list, and the odds are higher you're going to play a, a number one seed very early. Uh, like the like the first weekend, and and that's that's not good uh, if you're as inconsistent as uh, Kentucky has been. Bash is up next. Bash, go right ahead. Bash, brother Paul. I hope you had a good weekend. I want to ask you a couple quick questions. First one, it's Monday, so you know what my first question is going to be. Did you see the new women's basketball rankings today? David is up next uh, in Kentucky. Hello, David. Good afternoon. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Um, on the Calipari thing, you know, I know the fan base issue and all that's important to a lot of people, but to me, of course, someone living here and someone that's revered and worshipped this program for a long time, the issues are, I mean, they're very tangible. It's not just sometimes I think we get a bad rap as, as a fan base. Like everybody thinks that we think we should win the championship every year, or go to the final four every year. It's not that it's, it's the very, the genesis of, of the problem is things like you're giving up four layups on four consecutive remedial inbounds plays. I mean, the fact that we are historically bad, you know, defensively here, here's the thing. Every year except two, I believe, since Cal's been here, we have finished no worse than second in recruiting class rankings. And then those those recruits go on to the next level, to the NBA. I think Cal was bragging on how many all-stars there are this year, eight or ten or twelve or whatever. And Cal brings, you know, he brags about that. So we're getting recruits, and at the next level, they perform at the highest level. But when we're here, I mean, it just it – just, they severely, the team as a whole, severely underachieved. Well, David, if, if, if I remember correctly, uh, the incoming class, wasn't that the, considered among the greatest of all time? Yes, one of the greatest. And the thing about it is also, if you, if you listen to Cal talk, as opposed to some of these other coaches talk, I was very impressed with the South Carolina coach. Uh, but Cal oh, speaks in... Yeah, he is. I mean, well, I mean, you, you have to ask the question when you see coaches, the young breed, and, and there are six or seven new coaches in the, in the uh, SEC that have, uh, like, like we've seen, uh, have gone to the tournament and who are making runs this year that will go, is, uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about the, the Kentucky program. I mean, I, it's a great program in almost every category except the tournament. And, you know, you, 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 are, you hear fans asking serious questions. Has the game passed him by? 
Um, fair question. Well, I mean, we have things happening this year. I mean, it seems like we talk about this every year. Like, this is the first time that we've given up over 100 points since 1993. I mean, it's like every we're breaking the wrong kind of records here. And, and the thing about it is, you you listen to him talk. I mean, he speaks in half sentences. It's nothing specific to the game. And I swear, I think he coaches the same way. And I think that's the problem. You know, I mean, you know, maybe maybe call. Cal ought, ought to seriously consider. Listen, uh, he can make a lot of money doing TV. He'd be great at it. Uh, maybe it's. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know him well enough. I know him, and I've always. Uh, I mean, he's bigger than life. Uh, he thinks of probably a little more of himself than than necessary but that's pretty much every basketball coach we'll take a short break we are coming right back now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom Anejo tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaking splash shifted the tempo another great cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liqueur bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. We're back. Uh, appreciate all of you uh, joining us as we continue here on a Monday. A lot happening in the world of intercollegiate athletics. And uh, we're about to check in with Blake Topmeyer. Uh, he's checked in with some leading attorneys on the subject of Vols versus the NCAA. That's not a battle we had pegged for late winter. Blake, good afternoon. Thanks for the time and uh, eager to hear what you have learned. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Paul. I mean, we were kind of at an interesting point in this case of, of the, uh, excuse me, Tennessee and, and Virginia against the NCAA. I mean, they're we're waiting on on word about uh, whether these these states attorney generals are are going to uh, win the, the ter- temporary restraining order that they're seeking, but uh, they're also seeking an injunction too, which uh, is maybe the bigger uh, piece of this uh, that is is kind of the next shoe to to drop. But uh, yeah, you mentioned I, I spoke with a, a third party attorney, Dan Lust. He's a he's a sports law uh, expert, and I thought he put it really well in in the conversation he had with me. Um, this is this is Dan Lust, the sports law attorney. He said, for the legacy of the NCAA, this case speaks to the heart of the NCAA being able to punish anybody across the country for NIL. So that's what's at stake, um, you know, kind of 10,000 foot for the NCAA, sort of what's on the line in, in this lawsuit. Blake, you, you've lived in that town. Uh, you covered the team for the local newspaper. You understand the players. Uh, 
Try to guess, or maybe if you know for a fact, tell us what, what you know about why the, why the 180? Uh, this is a completely different uh, demeanor. Maybe, maybe some of it was about Jeremy Pruitt's buyout. Uh, maybe Donde Plowman saw a moment where she needed to stand up. I don't really know, but you were there. Tell us what you, what you believe now. Yeah, I think a couple things. Like when we think back to that last NCA investigation, the situation was obviously different uh, for Tennessee. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, Tennessee was motivated to very much work hand in hand with the NCA. I mean, Tennessee fired Jeremy Pruitt for cause, uh, meaning that they, they had to have cause to fire him. Uh, otherwise, they owed him $12.6 million. So uh, the, the NCA investigation helped them turn up cause. Well, actually, in a lot of ways, I think they turned up the cause for the NCAA, right? Um, and, and then their cooperation was ultimately rewarded to a certain degree by the NCAA, and Tennessee was able to avoid that postseason ban. But some things have changed since then. One, Tennessee has a coach that it actually wants. Two, it has a powerful collective. Three, its program is in better standing. But I think it, it goes beyond more than that, too, because what's being involved in this lawsuit is the Sherman Antitrust Act. Like, I, I don't know that there would have been anything in the last NCA investigation where the university or the state of Tennessee could have felt like, um, you know, it had a, a, a federal law working on its side. I think in the case of, of NIL, uh, as we repeatedly see, the NCAA is, is facing antitrust lawsuits. And I, and I think that speaks to why for, for several years now, the NCAA has sought uh, a federal bailout in the form of NIL legislation or, or antitrust exemption, uh, which for years now they failed to secure from Congress. And so lacking that, um, the letter of, of the Sherman antitrust law, as I understand it, I mean, kind of leave, presents a sticky wicket for the NCAA as they try to enforce uh, whatever meager NIL guidelines they have, again, they, they repeatedly get brought into court uh, about whether uh, these guidelines are, are within the bounds of antitrust law. Listen, uh, I mean, all politics are local, or, or so we hear, and certainly Don De Plowman uh, played well in the, in the uh, Tennessee media, something that you've been a part of. Uh, outside of that, uh, I've heard a lot of commentators opine, but from the world of intercollegiate athletics, people, commissioners, people that matter, have you heard anything? I think she is a respected voice in, in her community, sure. I, I do think um, how strongly Tennessee and how publicly Tennessee's Chancellor Dondi Plowman, Athletic Director Danny White, uh, all the way up to elected officials, how publicly they've they've taken on the NCAA here is um, unusual. We don't normally see that in NCAA investigations, certainly not to this degree, certainly not this publicly, not at this stage. I mean, there hasn't even been any sanctions yet, right? We're, we're still kind of in the early stages uh, of this and, and the battle lines have been drawn. But I think that further speaks to um, what I think Tennessee feels like is the shaky ground that the NCAA stands on here, both in terms of the law, but also uh, just in terms of their overall cloud. I mean, every year that goes by, it seems like the NCAA gets gets weaker and weaker, and the NCAA's enforcement arm uh, gets weaker and weaker. And, and some of that is because they're playing with one hand 
tied behind their back. I mean, I think sometimes it's easy for us all to act like NCAA enforcement's incompetent or something. Um, that's a whole separate conversation. I mean, I think some, sometimes you have competent investigators that uh, are, are already limited uh, by a lack of subpoena power, but further are limited by sometimes the law um, just isn't obviously in their favor in, in certain cases. So, um, yeah, I think the NCAA's weak standing here uh, and I believe Tennessee believing that they have the law on their side has resulted in this uh, very public battle. But like I said, I think there's also some other factors in, in play here, too. I mean, Tennessee knows um, that they would fall under the heading here of repeat offender uh, in this NCA investigation. And, and um, you know, that's that's a little bit different picture than last time around. We know the NCA has consistently said, like, the penalties can be stiffer for repeat offenders. So if you think you're uh, you're going to get taken in front of the NCAA's kangaroo court for a second time in a matter of years, um, you know, your strategy of cooperation the second time around may not be the, the best road to go down because you skated past the, the postseason ban the first time, but I don't know that you want to go down that road again. And so it, it doesn't, you know, ultimately surprise me that Tennessee thinks it needs to change its strategy because this is a, a repeat offense here. Blake, before you go, the big story Friday involved uh, two entities that are not struggling, struggling like the NCAA, and that's Big Ten, SEC. Uh, most people have praised it. Most people think it, it's really a good situation. But ultimately, uh, what do you think it's going to mean to everyone else who's not, who was not invited into the club? I think it's hard to say because I think you know when these when these buddy groups form, there, there's always this big reaction. And it's like, this is going to be the thing that changes college sports. And, and so many times these uh, lowercase or uppercase alliances produce, you know, some change or very little change, but, you know, never really the sweeping change that is oftentimes built. So, yeah, I mean, these are the two conferences that I think have the power to wield some and produce some substantial change, right? And I, I think the thing that gets a lot of the attention would be the playoff. You know, there's there's sort of this question now, would the Big Ten and the SEC break away from the college football playoff uh, if they don't get the, the format and the revenue distribution model that they want going forward? Yeah, maybe that's possible, but that's the thing that gets the attention. I do think there's another side of this, too, of can these conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC, kind of put their heads together and find some sort of path forward uh, as it pertains to NIL. Does that involve some level of, of collective bargaining? Uh, does that in, in involve some level of employment contracts, employment status for athletes? That's the thing that I'm interested to see, um, you know, beyond like the shiny object of, of what this may or may not mean for the playoff. It may mean, this alliance may mean nothing for, for the playoff or it mean, might mean a lot, but uh, again, I more think about what does this mean for collective bargaining, uh, if anything, because if you want to stop being taken to court repeatedly for antitrust violations, collective bargaining is the other avenue uh, to go down, which we really haven't seen much of in, in college sports up to this point, revenue sharing and collective bargaining. I do wonder if, if that um, you know, could be something that, that comes out of this. Uh, but again, I would caution that we've seen some of these these alliances, uh, people putting their arms around each other's shoulders in the past, uh, and, and previously, they haven't always produced a ton of substantial change. 
Well said, Blake Tottmeyer from USA Today. We'll take a short break. Uh, we'll get uh, many more guests, including a Hall of Famer just announced recently from Tennessee and your phone calls right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Yeah, apparently we had a misunderstanding a minute ago with, uh, with the bash uh, from Boulder. Bash, you're back on the air, so go right ahead. No misunderstanding, Paul. It's all good. My uh, second question is, you said Friday that you were going to reach out to Larry and see how he was doing. So did you ever do that? Uh, we have. We still have not heard much back. So uh, if anybody knows what Larry is up to, uh, please let us know. As well, thoughts and prayers to you, Larry. My second uh, question, Paul, on that subject is, where's Cat Daddy at, the reigning defending best, call, uh, best Paul Feinbaum caller of the year right now? Well, uh, as I've said before, his, uh, his victory is under investigation. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, by several uh, There's no media, investigation media needed, Paul. He won it fair and square. The people decided. Third I have not heard. Uh, we haven't. We have not heard from him. I, I thought. He, I thought Cat Daddy, being the front runner that he, he's always been, would would have jumped on the Gamecocks basketball program. But apparently, that did not interest him. Well, maybe he's being smart and he's conserving his playoff energy, like you know some NBA teams do today. Hey, Bash, before you go, uh, our, our next caller is Dwayne from Baton Rouge. Do you have any, uh, any opinion of him? I think he's an entertaining caller. He's one of my favorite callers. Dwayne and me have a good history. I was his first caller in his uh, trial of being the host of the show. My first call on the show was actually after Dwayne's back when the season first started. Bash, if I could give an analysis here, which I used to do as a, as a journalist, it sounded like you were trying to. It sounds. It sounded to me like you were just sucking up to the guy. You really. You're not that big a believer. What am I? Wait, sucking yeah, up to him. That's, that's kind of how I interpret it. What about you? He didn't. It, it took him four seconds before he responded. Dwayne is up yeah. next. Hey, Larry. I know where Larry at. Larry on Air Force One with Joe Biden. Everybody want to know? That was Larry at right now. I don't now. think he so. Fine. I don't think, I don't think uh, Larry is Carolina, a... Uh, he's going to Vegas. I don't think he's, he's a going Joe to Biden supporter. He's going to Arizona. He's going to be in California uh, doing a fundraise. Then he's going to hit Miami with Joe Biden. That was Larry at. Y'all want to know? I think Larry likes Joe Biden. He got a 1-800 number. No. Uh, Y'all want to know the 1-800 number. Hey, you. Hey, man. Let me tell you something, bro. 
I read some articles on you. Oh, hey, where, 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 did, where, did you, where did you read about me? I, have, I don't think there's hey, any Hey, and legend. Hey, legend. Legend? Jim, Jim for Tuckaloosa. I want I man to hear this. I want everybody to hear this. I want everybody to hear this. All y'all Alabama, Army fans, and Florida fans. Paul Feinbaum picking LSU with the best coaching style. Right. I did say that. Hey, everybody knows that LSU got the best coaching staff in the SEC. It's going to be the next championship team for the next decade. That was Paul Feinbaum saying in the special report. I read it. I read it. Yeah, you I know said what, that. I, you I know said what that. I'm talking about. What? I said that in some interview the other day. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm you said they're going to be the next dynasty. You yeah. say Brian Keller, Brian Keller got a storm down there. And the next, the recruit, hey, hey, Paul Feinbaum, you know they got the number three recruiting class? Yeah. You know that? Why do you think I said what uh, I did? Do you think I just made that up? The, the next year they got the number one recruiting class already. You know that, huh? Uh, yes, yes. The answer is yes again. All right, Dad. Hey, Three y'all. Yes's. I want all y'all legends. I, man, I want uh, Jim for Tuxaloosa. I want everybody to know that. Paul Fowl picking LSU Tigers, the next Nick Saban. That's the next, that's the next, that's the next. Uh, Dwayne, I, I think you're, uh, you're starting to put words in my mouth. <laughs> no, I ain't. No, I ain't. I know I have read it on you, buddy. I read an article. I know. I They're said uh, the, the question. The question, Dwayne, was who do you, who do I think will be the next emerging uh, dynasty type program? And I said LSU is in that consideration because coaching staff and the amount of players that are coming in. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.